the Chinese year of the black milkshake. Summer greetings from Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast with me, Yorma Kirko, and him, Ray Mack. Hi, Shakers. Episode 29. We're down in the local juicer, Jimmy. We are indeed. Chin chin. Cheers. We are in the local juicer in central Istanbul, and we're also on Grow Radio UK every Friday and Wednesday night. And we've got a show today that's fuller than a fat lad at an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true man, Jimster. A wee being like your good self. All those, <laughs> all those, oh, wait, no, wait a minute, all those homemade sausages, pal. But, Jimster, mm-hmm. you could be doing worst things. Yeah, oh, I like that. You <laughs> <laughs> could be a tabloid headline writer with things like that. Yeah, okay. I had to laugh, actually, when uh, I, I came up with that idea the other day and Ben, the tour wrestler, um, described himself, just after I thought about uh, that with a fat lad and an all-you-can-eat buffet, Ben, the tour wrestler, described himself as a fat lad. And I thought... <laughs> so, anyway. Ben. Anyway. <laughs> There we are. Hello, Ben, and everybody else who's listening. So today we've got Donald Trump and Chris getting some exciting news on the desert island. Uh, Dear Honzi Agony Uncle returns to give his unique brand of advice to Britain's most famous Agony Aunt. Oh, my God, our Honzi. Our Hansi, Jimmy, he sure loves Jiggy Jiggy and the bookies, pal. <laughs> Doesn't he just? Yes, he does. Start back. He does. Yeah. By the way, can you please follow our page on Facebook, Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast, for a few updates here and there and bits of fun. And if you enjoy the show, please, this is the most important thing, share the link to the episode that you've just watched, please, on your social media. Warning, the following sketch contains flash photography. Viewers may wish to cancel their television license or BBC poll tax as a result. This is the BBC. I'm Hugh Edwards at 10 o'clock and I am the news. Well, Shakers, as neither of us has recently been accused of being hair of all presenters on the BBC lately, I think, Jimster, we should go straight over to true or false. You must be joking. (laughs) (laughs) Celebrity. Okay, question number one, Gemster. At age 68, Rolling Stones bassist Bill Wyman married 18-year-old Sam Smith. No, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Man, Mandy Smith. I'm mixing up, <laughs> I'm mixing up my Smiths here. Mm. Yeah. Um, Mandy Smith is definitely not a they, though, is she? Um, let me see. Yes, he did marry uh, Mandy Smith. I believe. Um, 18, 18, 18, 18. I don't think the ages are right, though. 
Okay, 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 okay. You don't need to go into a big rant because seriously, it was a kind of a tricky question. He was 52 years old, Jimmy. That's about right, yeah. And I would say she was possibly even under 18. Well, actually, she was 18 because I was did she? check, um, you know, that thing that we do, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they only lasted, Jimmy, 23 months. I kid you not, Jim, sir. It's all over now. <laughs> 20, oh, 23 yeah. months that was about a quarter of her life at that point almost wasn't it I wonder did she bag. get any uh, I wonder did she get any satisfaction no, I... <laughs> <laughs> get a load of this Jimmy you're going to love this Bill's son Stephen married Mandy's mother making Bill the father-in-law of his ex-mother-in-law and the step-grandfather you can't always get what you want Jimmy or you can, can you get it when it comes to <laughs> Bill's son Stephen and mother's little helper. Mm. I have no idea, <laughs> but I have very, very little sympathy for that dirty devil, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> likey, likey. Jimmy, back to back to Bill. Right. Nonce. He met her, Jimmy, when he was 47. And as Mrs. Lawrence would say, she was only 13 years old, Raymond. He waited until she was 16 and legal. Then married her, Jimster. That is non-stastic, isn't it? Imagine, <laughs> imagine what he would have been doing today if he'd have had access to um, Instagram and Twitter and things like that, and all the young people that he could have found on there. We're not going to say too much more about that this week, are we? I know, but hilarious, Jimmy, that the son <laughs> married her mother. I bet they had great crack at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. A nice bit of information, Jim. You're going to love this. Mandy Smith will be 52. What a coincidence. She will be 52 three days later on the 17th of July, Jimmy. Mandy was also a convent-educated young girl and lived in Tottenham for her young uh, childhood. She met Wild Bill with her sister at a TV show. Oh, really? An awards show. Yeah, yeah. Her sister, Nicola Smith. In 86, Jimmy, this is quite interesting. Smith was to be interviewed on Irish TV show Saturday Night Live, but it was cancelled when broadcaster RTE decided that she would be interviewed from a seat in the audience rather than on the set. RTE said, Jimmy, that she was not important enough and that she might give a bad example to young teenage girls. Isn't that funny? I mean, I can sort of understand that with 1980s Catholic mentality, but at the same time, was nobody going to say something about him? She was a kid, for God's sake. But I thought the legal age was 18, but it says legal age is 16. Even then, the the age of consent was 16, and you could get married at 16 in England and Wales with your parents' permission, Mm. and in Scotland without your parents' permission. So lots and lots of uh, young lovers used to elope to Gretna Green in Scotland because they could just cross the border by two miles and get married without having to tell their mums and dads. But, I mean, you couldn't imagine that happening these days, could you? The only people who get married at Gretna Green these days are, you know, people who are on marriage number three or four and they're about 78. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she went on to marriage number two after that. It was to uh, footballer Pat Van der Howe. That's it lasted, right. Yeah, it lasted a bit longer. That was in the 90s, Jimmy. It lasted mm. actually two years. But it's all over now. Mm-hmm. And that was her autobiography. And I'm very, very surprised, as you're a great lad for the autobiographies or the biographies. You didn't read it. And I and don't read autobiographies, Ray. You just think that I do. Okay, okay. 
<laughs> okay, Jimmy, your favorite part of the show. Question number two, animal celebrities. Yeah, elephants, Jimster, are pregnant for almost two years. True or false? I assume we're talking the females. Um, two years, two years, two years, two years. Exactly two years. Uh, almost two years. Uh, it's longer than a human the gestation period, most definitely. Um, so humans, nine months, isn't it? Um, I think two years is a real lot. Uh, true? Could it be true? Yeah. Are you googling? <laughs> you, you can see, you can see my hands. You know, I'm not googling or, or doing anything else under the table that I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> yeah, elephants give birth around every four years, and given their pregnancies, can last around two years. That's quite a lot. Although yeah. elephants can live for sixty to seventy years, they typically only have about four or five babies during their lives. Even so, Jimmy, that's a large chunk or trunk <laughs> of their lifetime spent pregnant shakers and Jimmy. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it, it really is a lot, actually, because if they're only living 60, 70 years, that's less than a human, really. Oh. Uh, poor elephants. Yeah. Poor elephants, Jimmy. No wonder they never forget. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the largest, uh, Jimmy, existing land animal their tusks are actually teeth jimmy mm -hmm. and they communicate through vibrations and are constantly eating are they have they got multiple stomachs uh like like a cow well it or, looks like uh, that uh, jimmy because also <laughs> because also giraffes uh is a year and a half nearly two years as well from what i believe right what you think about it women Women, though, nine months, thought that was a long time. Don't you just love these beautiful and epic animals, Jimster, yeah? Mm, Plus yes. horses, Jimmy, yeah. One year or more on the trot. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously. On a, a gibbon is seven. Any gibbon day. Yes, on any gibbon day, yes. <laughs> Are you ready for a true story? Yeah, go on. <laughs> I overheard a bloke down <laughs> in our local juicer say, my wife was pregnant, Jimmy, for six years. But a woman, Jimmy, in the group who heard it, she said, that's not nice. That's not very nice. Do you realize your comment is irrelevant? <laughs> and do you realize, and do you realize it was your fault, you big bollocks? <laughs> Jimmy, you know, last week, I think I was seeing pink elephants. Do you know yeah. the phrase pink elephants? Yeah, of course. Have you ever explain, explain to the good shakers. Well, it's, it's the phrase they use, isn't it? When you're, um, as we, we used that phrase last week, I think, for something we were talking about circling the airport, I think. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> when you, you're seeing stars, isn't it? Have you ever, have you ever drunk uh, absinthe, Ray? Yeah, I think I have, but it's a long, long time ago when I was an altar boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, there used to be this um, absinthe bar uh, in Berlin, yeah. and they had various kinds of uh, of absinthe in it. But they they used to have one, and it was called Pink Elephant. And uh, they mm. said to you, if you don't see the Pink Elephant after this, there's something wrong with you. You know. Um, mm. 
you know, we, it, it was a really, co- really cool place, but you couldn't go there too often. It was one of those things, really, that absinthe makes the heart grow fonder. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> Speak, okay, forever. let's forget about the pink elephants that absinthe make the heart grow fonder. What about the phrase white elephant? Ah, I did know about that once. Uh, I don't know. D- do you know? I do, because you caught me out with the uh, the drapes not matching the whatever it was, remember? The carpet not matching the curtains. Yeah. Or whatever, something like that. <laughs> it's a phrase used, Jimmy White Elephant, to a useless or unwanted object, mm-hmm. especially especially if it's expensive. Yeah, but white. why? Know, it's just a waste of money. I know that, but why do they call it white elephant? I, I knew what it meant. I thought you were going to tell me why. No, I, that's that's the only thing I know about it, horse box, unfortunately. Okay. Well, in that case, then, I'm going to do what you normally do, and I'm going to look it up on Google. Never <laughs> 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 done it before. <laughs> a white elephant is a burdensome asset property or investment whose cost of upkeep is not in line with its usefulness or value. The term derives, aha, from the old Thai custom of gifting rare, expensive to keep white elephants to the reigning monarch. Nowadays, it's associated with unprofitable real estate. So there we go. Great, Jimmy. Thanks a lot. Jimmy, (laughs) why did the the elephant have a fight with his wife? Um... I don't know. Why did the elephant have a fight? Because he came home trunk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i think you did well today jimmy two out of two and yeah, a useful bit of googling and doogling yeah well done young chickens may be soft and tender but the older birds have more on them <laughs> true and take a lot more stuffing oh how right you are though. and we're going to go over and have a little bit of useful advice from honzi who actually is meeting with one of his old mentors let's go right over there and check it out you're breaking my heart i, I couldn't if i tried oh honey if i get restless oh well you're not that kind and it's that time of the month where honzi deals with some of your personal problems in dear honzi agony uncle Dear Hansi, I'm in a real state and I'm hoping you can help me make sense of things. I'm a well-known agony aunt for a popular British tabloid, but that's the thing. I can't shake this relentless feeling that I'm a complete fraud. It's driving me mad and I can't talk to my husband about it. I'm 54, he's 55, so that's why I'm turning to you. Please help. Every time I sit down to respond to a letter, a nagging doubt gnaws at the back of my mind. I can't help but wonder, do they really think I'm as knowledgeable as I sound? Am I truly deserving of their trust? It's as if I'm walking a tightrope, terrified of stumbling and being unmasked as a mere pretender. There have even been times when I've made up some letters and given generic advice just so that I can meet my deadlines and the weight is crushing. I've been with my husband for 37 years and the sex is fantastic, but every time I try to talk to him about it, he just grunts and stares at the racing channel and fills in another betting slip and complains about having to remortgage the house if he doesn't get a winner soon. The weight of expectations is crushing, Hansi. I have to be on top of my game, delivering insightful advice, tackling sensitive topics and capturing the attention of a discerning audience. Yet... Deep down, I worry that I'm not as astute or capable as they believe me to be. What if they realise I'm just winging it? Yours sincerely, Deirdre. Dear Deirdre, my friend, 
It's good to hear from you again. You were an inspiration to me when I was an apprentice at Agony Uncle School. Now, let's address your concerns head on. Feeling like a fraud is more common than a hairdresser in a Newcastle nightclub, so don't worry too much. Now, about those made-up letters. I hear you, and I depreciate your honesty. In the fast-paced world of advice-giving, sometimes we need to be a bit creative to meet those deadlines. But you have a lot of people relying on you for your wisdom and eyesight, so I think you're out of order making this up. You and I have a responsibility. Don't you forget it. But let's shift our focus to your husband, my dear. You mentioned the fantastic sex, and I must say I have a lot of admiration for people your age, especially women, who still go at it like steam trains. Bravo to both of you. It's a very healthy hobby to have, and it's one of your chlamydia, like my cousin Petri's wife. On the subject of hobbies, I'm not sure if you realise just how much both you, your husband and I all have in common. Giving advice to lost souls, jiggy-jiggy with mature people and horse racing. I have a helpline that you can call for more detailed advice on gambling. The number is 0898 008888. Here I can give you personalised advice and teach you how to beat the bookies every time and also how to hide your winnings from the taxman. As we have so many common interests, I will also send you an invitation to one of my Honzi South African self-help prize, where the smoke and sizzle add a little spice to the air. We meet once a month, smoke some dagger, or have a pint or two of champagne, do a spit roast and then go off to various rooms for some relaxation, and then watch a race or two while we're in refractory mode. You'll know my house immediately as, it, as it's the one with the pampas grass in the front garden and tilted windows that the nosy neighbours can't see inside. You never know, it might ignite a deeper connection and certainly broaden your social circles. Wishing you all the best, Honsi. Yeah. <laughs> Great man, I told you Jimmy earlier for the bookies and the jiggy, jiggy. <laughs> yes, yes. Did you get that um, pampas grass reference, Ray? No. Uh, apparently, in the ninth, apparently, in the seventies and eighties, uh, yeah. people who engaged in um, how should we put it, alternative lifestyles, um, often used to have pampas grass. You know, the big, tall, well, like dried grass, aren't they? Like reeds or something. They used mm-hmm. to have have them in the front gardens, and that used to just make it very clear to uh, other couples that might be in the area that it would be quite okay to invite themselves in for a drink, wow. et cetera, et cetera. Good <laughs> skills, James. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, basically it was the, uh, I, f- I found an article uh, on it in The Guardian. It was quite a funny article on Saturday about that. And um, it's gone out of fashion quite a lot now, Pampas Grass. I don't know if that's because, because of Tinder and dogging. Um but people who have pampas grass in the garden and, and sell the houses, a lot of people don't know about this kind of stuff now, but they still often get knocks at the door. Spell that, and Jimmy. Pampas. P- P-A-M-P-A-S. I think it's from South America. Like what babies wear. No, but that's pampers. This is pampas. Okay, pampas. Okay. Yeah. Please excuse me. Well, you mm. obvi- obviously... Didn't do much swinging then, did you, in your time? In dark bag, yeah. Swing when you're winning. <laughs> G'day, possums. This is Dame Midner Everidge speaking from Wagga Wagga in Australia. I love to follow Ray and Yorma on Facebook. Don't worry about punctuation and capital letters. Just type Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast, darlings, without writing the darlings. By the way, please tell a friend to listen on Spotify and Apple. 
For the boys, darlings, your podcast needs you. Bye, possums. All right, I think we'll, uh, we've not heard from Donald for a, a week or two. And okay. uh, I did hear a rumor that I'm not quite sure if they're going to be rescued or not, but they've actually been given three wishes. And uh, I think we're going to find out right now what they choose to do with those three wishes on the desert island. Wait, wait, here we go. Look, Chris, I've done tremendous things in my life. Believe me, I've built a massive business empire, a brand that's known worldwide. Yum. And let's not forget, I was the greatest president that the United States has ever seen. Must you really? And I've been dogging in Licky End. Dogging? It's not what you think, Chris. Would you stop bursting, Donald? Hey, I'm just saying it like it is. And by the way, I don't know why we're stuck on this island. I should be in the White House right now. What the hell was that? Looks like a delivery, Donny boy. Who the hell from? Your friend Dr. Himmler, the one who arranged our escape, sends one every fortnight. Didn't you know? Where the hell do you think I got my pedigree chum from on a desert island? I don't know. I thought you might have picked them from a tree. It's canned dog food, not a fucking banana, idiots. Yeah, whatever. Fake news. Nothing but fake news. You, you grabbed them by the pussy. Have you taken your Tourette's meds today? No, sorry about that. Wait, there's a note. It's from Dr. Brutus Himmler. He's sending us a request for our next order form that we can send back in the canister. That means we're here for at least another... Fortnight. Fortnight? What the hell's that? You British dogs not speak English? Two weeks, you ninny. Let's see what's in here. Water? What the hell are we going to do with that? I'll give you three guesses. Why do we need water when we're surrounded by sea? Because it's seawater and it's full of salt. This will come in very handy because I've become rather tired of boiling the water than catching the steam and leaving the salt behind. I don't even know what that means. It's basic chemistry. Hmm. Canned beans, rice and toilet paper. You're an arse wipe. What did you just say? I, I said you can wipe your ass now. That's disgusting. Totally disgusting. Hillary did that in 2016. I don't want to talk about it. Disgusting. Toilet paper? I'm a germaphobe. I don't like to touch anything dirty. Well, what have you been doing up till now? I've been taking a dump in the ocean and rubbing my ass on the sand. Yeah, because wiping your ass with sand is so much cleaner. I've never wiped my own ass before. Can you do it for me, Chris? In case it's escaped your attention, Donny, I'm a dog. Quite a bright one, admittedly, but I still haven't been trained to clean fecal matter from human anuses. And look at this. We can request three luxury items for our next order. Okay. Let's think practically. Maybe an yeah. axe and a... A golf course and maybe a private jet. What? You really are a cretin, aren't you? I can practice my swing and get some exercise, and after we've played a few holes, we can fly home in the private jet. We don't even have a proper shelter. Fine. What would you request? How about a satellite phone so we can call for help? Or some books to read? Or even a squeaky dog telephone or something else to play with? Boring! We need something fun and luxurious. How about some Playboy bunnies? Now you're talking. I'd like to chase some bunnies. You grab them by the Will you stop saying that? Oh, I see. You don't mean rabbits, do you? You mean sex workers. What use are they to me? And besides, how could you fit a pair of prostitutes on a pallet? So fake. Fake news, you grab them by the 
I'm warning you, Donald. I sincerely hope you're not going to say... You grabbed him by the... <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> All trumpety trump. <laughs> dogging, dogging in the licky. <laughs> I love how Chris got excited about because Chris is pretty bright, isn't he? He's brighter than Donald, but he, <laughs> of he still thought that dogging had something to do with dogs. <laughs> two weeks, two weeks, you ninny. <laughs> You're an arse wipe. You can wipe you. You can wipe your arse now. <laughs> oh, God. I've right. never wiped, Jimmy, I love that part. I've never wiped my own arse before. <laughs> can you do it for me, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Yoma's Lost in Translation. I am sorry, my friend, but I do not know what the hell you are talking about. And we've got a letter in here from uh, Craig Roach in Tekirda in Turkey, who is a friend of the show, and he writes, Dear Ray and Yorma, this is a story about my retired colonel father-in-law who was the then turkish ambassador to thailand my wife and i were over there and after a barbecue at our, our compound i took them out to the balcony for some raki uh, the turkish national alcoholic drink which if you don't know is very similar to ouzo or perno made with uh, twice distilled grapes and anise so you drink it out of these these thin uh, narrow glasses and then you put your your alcohol in it and then you top up the clear alcohol with water and that produces this milky white color that some may think looks a little like well i don't think we really need to to go into that but it, anyway it's a it's a drink that's steeped in friendship rituals and dining and often it's served with with meze the traditional turkish starters or fish dishes or or both and so but due to its potency it's colloquially known as um aslan sutu which translates as lion's milk now knowing that the, craig writes knowing that the devil's in the detail i lined the glasses up perfectly and my Turkish wasn't great at the time. And instead of saying, ah, Aslan Sutu, I said very loudly, ah, Adam Sutu, which means, <laughs> oh, man's milk, which is pretty much what it looks like anyway. And they both decided to spit, fortunately, rather than swallow. But fortunately, they found it hilarious. And I'm still married to this day. As from Craig, what a story, eh? Because <laughs> Craig, seriously, no. I think, a, milk. <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of people outside of uh, Turkey would be quite interested, perhaps if they've read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, to hear that the word for I nearly said for milk, that the word for lion is uh, Aslan, just like the lion in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know if it's an Arabic word. Probably is an Arabic word, you know. But anyway, there we go. Jimmy, before I forget, before I forget, and shakers. I got a re-request here. I actually meant to do this, Jimmy, um, last week, but I was gorgeously drunk on the show. Massive hi to Ridelin Aguila. She's in Cebu in the Philippines, which is nice, Jimmy, because we have actually a couple of listeners in Asia. Mm -hmm. And you know, Jim, sir, that's on my bucket, bucket list, list. especially yeah. the Philippines. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, before I get back to that, received a lovely inbox message. And it says, hi, Ray and Yorma. 
I've become an avid listener to the show on Friday, the podcast, which was recommended to me by one of my friends. I love it, she said, like a fat kid loves chocolate, Jimster. <laughs> oh, very oh, much in you. keeping with the Thank beginning. Thank you so much, Ridlin, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, Jimmy, English uh, and Filipina is the official language, isn't it? It's The language is called Tagalog, but yeah. Tagalog. Uh, Tagalog. Tagalog, okay, all right. It, it's, yeah. con- it's connected to, to Malay, but there are hundreds of languages there, but everybody can speak Tagalog and English. They tend to speak with American accents when they speak English as well, but there are hundreds of local languages Colony there of the United as well. States. Yeah, it was for a bit, yeah. But they all have, yeah. Spanish, they all have Spanish names uh, because it was a colony of Spain before that. So you'll get them with um, Spanish surnames and first names as well, and yet they can't speak Spanish. Well, super great. Thank you so much, uh, Ridolin Aguila. Yeah, thank you. Philippines. Thank you very much for that. Ah, Aguila means uh, eagle in Spanish. Oh, okay. There we go. Yes, indeed. (laughs) All right, should we go to Post of the Week? Okie dokie. Black Milkshake, best Post of the Week. Shaker's post of the week. Let him in life finder here somewhere. Excuse me. Comes in from Alison Brady from the beautiful Donegal, Jimmy, in Ireland. Hi, Hi Alison. Alison. Hope you are tip top and uh, keeping safe. Here we go. It's opening night at the theater, and the amazing Claude is top of the bill, Jimster. Hundreds of people from miles around are there to see the famed hypnotist. Claude takes to the stage and says, unlike most hypnotists who invite two or three people up to the stage to be put into a trance, I intend to hypnotize every feckin' member of this audience. The excitement, Jimmy, was electric. As Claude takes a beautiful antique pocket watch from his coat. I want each and every one of you to keep your eyes on this watch. It's a very special watch. It's been in my family for six generations. He swings the watch gently back and forth while quietly chanting Jimmy, watch the watch, watch the watch, watch the watch. He swings the watch back gently and forth while quietly chanting once again. The crowd is mesmerized as the watch sways back and forth. The light is gleaming off its polished surface, Jimmy. Suddenly and unexpectedly, the watch slips from the hypnotist's fingers, falls to the floor and breaks into a hundred pieces, Jimmy. Shite, said the hypnotist, and you could still smell it. For six weeks later, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Okay, Shakers, it's that time again. Yes, uh, next week we've got a summer special episode, uh, a little bit longer than usual, called The Guest is History, that we recorded last week, just before Ray got too drunk. We recorded it before the first one last week. But in this show, we have our six best guests 
from the first year of the show, in fact. So I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be good. I can't wait for that one. Thanks a million, Shakers. But please, can you follow Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast page on Facebook, please? And just after you've listened to this, as we said at the beginning, can you please post the link of the show on your social media? It doesn't matter if it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Instagram, but please do that. And tag us as well. That would be really great. And come on, Shakers. Let's have a few more, just like Greg's today more lost in translation stories thanks as ever to each and every one of you shakers and thanks to Hansi Curley Zippy of Rainbow Orville the Duck Dame Edna Everidge James Joyce Irish Pub Grow Radio UK Donald Trump Chris the Talking Dog Eamon McAndrew see you all next week shakers good skills skills Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast was presented by Ray Mack and Yormer Kierko and was produced by James Kirk. No animals or copyright were violated during the making of this podcast. Black Milkshake 2023